You're listening to the God Stories Radio Podcast with Mike, Fritz, and Tina. Listen to us live on the Mixler app. Also, be sure to follow us on iHeartRadio and you will never miss an episode. everyone. I'm Barbara Beck, host of Welcome Home on Good Life 45. And you're listening to my good friends, Fritz, Mike, and Tina, right here on God Stories Radio, bringing hope, comfort, and encouragement to the world through the power of the Christian testimony. Keep listening for a big blessing from the Lord. Everyone to God Stories Radio. This is session 203203. I'm Fritz. 203. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. What's going on, Mikey? It's Thursday night. It's been a long two weeks. Ah. Miss Miss coming here. Miss doing this. Yeah, but we had a good time. Uh well, I wish you could have come to service uh you last got, Thursday. It was got pretty me thinking where I was Thursday. It was pretty cool. I thought about doing it, but something something came up. Somebody offered me something, and I can't even think what I did. I can't. No? No. Hmm. I do know that I was still in pain to a certain extent. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that I, I sat back and, and recalled that 12 days from hell. Um, the pain levels... Um, three days before I could even get into the doctor's office. Because, of course, when you have a toothache, actually a double toothache, and it happens on a Friday night, you got to wait till Monday morning. Yep. Yep. And, you know, I don't even remember what Monday night was like, but the rest, you know, it was still acting. You know, when when you, and I was still working because I was fine when I stood up, but you know, when you, when you work a long day, you want to come home and sit down or lay down to chill out, right? Well, sure. That's something I couldn't do because when I did, that's when it uh, cranked up. And, um, I just looking back on that, your health is worth everything. You bet. It is. And spending the last few days without having to deal with that it was it's just a you, you know you take day by day for granted and it's i mean i'm wowed for the past couple of days just thinking i can come home and i can sit down and i can lay down and i can go to sleep um wow uh-huh. well how are you now i'm i'm fine now well that's what matters yeah I'm fine now. I figured I had probably eight hours of sleep in those 12 days. Wow. All told. All right. And, um, I mean, it's, it, it, it was, 
now that it's said and done, it was kind of a gift from God, actually. Yeah? That's the way I see it. Learn something in your pain and suffering, did you? <laughs> yeah. Don't like it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, babe? Yeah, I'm I'm really happy to be here. I'm feeling so much better. I know that so many people have been praying for my family and myself, and I just want to really thank everybody out there. Um, wow, it was a difficult couple of weeks, and it's actually been a difficult probably about six months or so. So I just want to thank everybody for their kindness and their support. Um, I don't know who you all are who are praying for me, but... I can feel those prayers, I'll tell you that. And that means just so much to me. So thank you for praying. And also I want to thank those people who've been praying for um, one of our listeners who um, he had had a terrible accident. He's a young man, maybe about between 25 and 28, I believe. And he had uh, pretty much shattered his leg and he's gone through multiple surgeries, ended up at the Mayo Clinic some time ago, um, and just, you know, having to spend like about a year to just recover from the accident, having a rod put in and out of his leg a couple of times, and just dealing with the infection and the healing process and not knowing whether or not he was going to be able to keep his leg. Um, well, you know, he had been doing well for probably about eight months or so and we you know we were just sort of overjoyed to know that things were going well for him and all of a sudden out of the blue wham this infection came back you know just snuck back up on them and um, they ended up having to have another surgery to remove the rod and they said his leg was looked strong enough and healed enough that he didn't have to have the rod put back in and so now he's just uh, been released from the hospital. He's recovering. You know, he'll be Praise having... Lord. Yep. Mm-hmm. He'll be having the um, IV antibiotics for about six weeks along with physical therapy. Mm. But, you know, if you could just keep him, continue to keep him in your prayers for... Um, his name is Eric, for continued healing of the infection and just a full recovery. And to just not have to deal with the infection again, that'd be great. That would be great. Yeah. It would be. God could do it, too. Yes, sir. He could set that up. <laughs> Amen, he can. Yes, he can. Got that right. I saw the uh, archers at uh, church the other, um, this past weekend, and they're looking pretty good. I That's mean, they're awesome. going through their stuff, but, I mean, when I saw Dan a couple weeks ago and then to, compared to seeing him this weekend, I mean, he looks pretty darn good. That's awesome. Yes. Wow, that's great. Uh huh. A lot of people praying for them, I know. Yes, yes, they are. Yes. And actually, another one came up um, yesterday. One of our guests back on uh, back in November, uh, she just found out that she has cancer, breast cancer. So she's out there asking for uh, prayers all over the place. So I just want to throw that out there. Uh, if you can join us in prayer, uh, that would be great. Just a lot of stuff going on, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Good gracious. Yep. <laughs> Never feels, have a shortage of stuff to pray for. Feels like we're getting inundated with it. Yeah. Seem to be surrounded by it. People are looking for hope, man. Start looking up. You bet. Yes, That's the way to do it. <laughs> That's why I'm glad we're here. It's yeah. our only agenda. Bring hope and comfort. Right. 
Do we have any shout outs this week? We have one. All right. And it's actually our guest from session 202. So we want to give a shout out to Mr. Silveric, excuse me, Sylvester Merrick. Um, and he is the owner of Windu Comics. Windu's Comics and Collectibles. In Claremont, yeah. Florida. Yes. Right. Thank you, Sylvester. So thanks for giving us that like on Facebook. And for you listeners out there, if you get a chance, swing by and visit him. Say hi. Listen to his testimony, too. It was Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. I want to welcome everybody on Mixler. Uh, you've dialed into a good one tonight. And uh, you can chat with us on Mixler. So if you have any questions for the panel, uh, be sure to send them on. So, uh, all right. What else we got? Any countries? We're still at 94. <laughs> just, just 94. Just 94. That we know of. That we know of. Correct. I mean, that's no little little thing no. to take lightly that's for sure so all right well how's your week over there fantastic do you have a good easter i did had a great easter how was your easter dinner my easter dinner mm-hmm. which one the one here mm-hmm. <laughs> i get i get in on all the freebies at the church but uh no the <clears throat> easter dinner was fantastic babe Good job. <laughs> Man, I'm fired up uh, tonight. We got uh, two of my favorite peeps in the studio tonight. We got uh, Pastor Chris DeBone, who was uh, here uh, several weeks back, gave his testimony. Well, what? Glad to be back in the house. Yeah, man. Session 197. Well, thank you uh, for inviting uh, myself back. It's good to know that I didn't mess up that much, that um, I wasn't going to be invited back. Oh, so. please. God called a, a, a couple of mess ups to start God Stories Radio. So you're in oh, good yeah. you're in good company, bud. Oh, man. It's no, it's it's awesome to be able to be a part of this and be a part of um, what you guys are doing here. I'm excited, excited for what God's got in store through the uh, conversation we'll have this evening. Um, and glad to be amongst family and friends tonight. So thank you guys. Well, who'd you bring with you? Well, to my left, I've got uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Anthony Macanano. Um, uh, Mac, for short, came on staff about two years ago. We were just talking uh, at dinner that we're, we're about a week or so away from the two-year mark for him taking over, actually, for myself um, right. in the position of uh, Director of Student Ministry, a.k.a. the Youth Pastor. Um, <laughs> Mac comes from a church out in the Oviedo area, University of Carillon. Um, and it's actually a really interesting story about how, how he and I met. His his old pastor out there, um, Bobby Brooks, and I were at Asbury Theological Seminary together, had a few classes together, um, going through the ordination process in the Methodist Church together. Um, and he and I became friends, and when um, Claremont here, our church decided that we were going to do something new. Um, and I was going to transition into a new role. Uh, Bobby was the first person I asked. I said, Hey, we're looking for a new youth pastor. You know of anybody? And like, no lie. It was like, a no brainer. He looks, he's like, you better be serious. And, like, he just got this look in his face. He's like, cause if you are, I've got the perfect candidate. And I was like, no, no lie, man. We're, we're going to do this. Who is it? 
Um, and it was Mac and he and I, we met, was it the next week we had Chick-fil-A dinner <laughs> and just, um, God anoints Chick-fil-A. So we had some well, good It was already pretty blessed, man. Oh, you did blessed. the whole thing. Um, <laughs> That's how you knew it was going to work out. Amen to that. So we, we talked, we had a great conversation. Um, and what was funny is when we brought Mac into officially interview for the position, um, the, the highest praise he got, and I, th- let me explain. The highest praise he got was that he was a younger version of myself. And it's high praise, not necessarily because I'm doing anything great, but because he's a bit more mature than your average uh, 20-something. Mm. Um, it comes with a lot of wisdom and insight into his position um, and just kind of carried himself like I did when I was when I was that age. So it was cool to see um, a little bit of myself in there and been able to walk with him the last two years um, and just you know, be a, be a guide, be a coach, be a, a support to what he's doing. But honestly, he's killing it. Like our student ministry right now is, um, especially in the middle school world, doing really well to see as uh, he's making a, a tangible impact on their lives and the family's life. So it's an honor to have him here with uh, me tonight, but just to, to be doing ministry with him in general. I got to tell you, the first time I ever heard Mac preach, I was floored. He, You really are gifted. You're yeah, a very gifted young he man. He slayed it. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Was that. Gosh, you guys are talking of a big game. I gotta <laughs> I'm glad you also said you're welcome messing up, so it'll be good. <laughs> Mac, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself just so that the listeners can get to know you a little Yeah, absolutely. Um I'm twenty four years old. Um I was born and raised in Oviedo, Florida, so not too far, about east East Orlando. We're now I'm living in the hills of West Orlando, which is cool to see a little uh different in elevation and terrain because I'm used to that flat Florida ground. Um, But yeah, I grew up not really churched at all. Uh, I grew up in, I went to Catholic church, just kind of check it off the list from my grandparents. And uh, my parents kind of only went to church for that purpose. And oddly enough, I got introduced to Carolyn and Bobby Brooks, like he said, when I was in middle school and they just kind of poured life into me. And, you know, sure enough, I didn't really find my calling. I didn't walk into the church and just think, wow, this is the most awesome thing ever. I thought, wow, they got dodgeball and there's some cute girls in this youth group. So I stuck around for long enough. Um, no, but I, isn't that uh, funny? The motivational <laughs> factors that, uh-huh. that come out. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, sure enough, just had people pour into me and tell me, you know, they really think this is for ministry. Just I'll share a super, super small story. Sure. Ba- Bobby Brooks's wife had ran into my mom at the grocery store. And my mom didn't know the staff too much. They just, she just knew it was a place I was hanging out. And she goes, you know, I just really think your son's going to be a pastor one day. And my mom came home and she said, Anthony, Anthony, you're not going to believe what I heard at the grocery store. I said, I said, what'd you hear? She said, oh, you know, Anna, that she's really sweet. She came up to me and she said, she thinks you're going to be a pastor one day. And I said, yeah, can you believe how foolish these people are? <laughs> I was like, I've got them all fooled. And um, like I said, it was just a Look community of, now. yeah, yeah, crazy. It was a community of people that saw, uh, saw the potential in me before I saw it in myself. Um, and that's kind of just... I guess that's the reason why you, why you go into ministry in the first place is to really try and bring that out of people. Um, and so sure enough, went through, stayed at the youth group, went to UCF, go Knights. And um, after I graduated, literally the day after I graduated, I had already met with Chris. Uh, we had met over that Chick-fil-A dinner at Asbury. And uh, three weeks later, I graduated from UCF on Saturday. And on Sunday, I came and visited, visited the youth group, met some of the kids and, and just really felt the place in my heart that this is this is where I was supposed to be um, and took that leap of faith and leaving everything I had known because I've been in Oviedo my whole life through high school, college, middle school, everything. Um, and just said, you know, I think God's got something here and 
two years later, here we are. So Wonderful. Now, what's the age group that specifically you kind of oversee in the youth ministry? Yeah, our youth group is sixth grade through 12th grade. So middle school and high schoolers, which is such a spectrum. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. They are such a spectrum. Middle I would say. Yeah. Well, one of the cool <laughs> things that Mac has done, um, and you can see what, what others have done for him, is he's gotten really intentional with the high school student leaders, and his, um, he calls them the lift team. And he invests in them and he comes alongside them and, you know, from, you know, lunch breaks to coffee breaks to, you know, phone calls and text messages, he makes sure that they are invested in. And these have become student leaders who are um, in turn making an investment on others around them because what, you know, others have done for Mac, he's now doing, doing for them. And Mm -hmm. it's just cool to see that, that cycle of discipleship taking place. And it's something I just, I love seeing and I appreciate. So. You know, I support Amen to that. that. Yeah. So basically, you've got an age range of around 11, 12 to 18, 19 years old. That's quite yes. a span. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wow. 100%. We're raising we... up some good musicians out of there, too, man. Yeah. Man, our, yeah, our student band is killing it. Bo Duke, I know he's been on the show before. Yeah. Uh, he is doing such a good job. He really just... wanted to come tonight. Oh, man. Yeah. So That'd shout out, cool. Bo. I know you're doing your thing. You, so uh, he really wanted to to come tonight. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. But yeah, no, he's doing a great job, and those he's pumping those musicians out. That's for sure. And we've got a lot of a lot of talented middle schoolers that I can't wait to see as they kind of grow more confidently. That's the coolest thing about music and and whatnot. I'm not gifted in it at all, so I'm so glad I got him. Um, but yeah, just to see these kids' confidence grow as they mm-hmm. sing. You know, the first time they sing, they're super timid, and sure enough, we've got the girl who's leading more than anything this year. Has you know, she started out not wanting to sing. Is that at Arden? All, so. Um, well, Ar- Arden's leading for, for the big church now sometimes. So, oh, which yeah. Is awesome. I just, she blows me away. Yeah. But there's this uh, <laughs> one of our um, sophomore, she's a freshman actually. Her name's Jade, um, yeah. who started out very, okay. you know, quiet, quiet on the stage. And now she's, you know, belting out uh, mm-hmm. all these songs. So it's awesome. I mean, next generational ministry is so important. You know, we'll, we'll talk next generation as being anything really kind of college age down. Um, but it's so important because you take a story like a Jade or an Arden. Arden is now a senior in high school, and her very first week at youth group, this was a kid who was um, kind of far from and disconnected from church, but a friend of hers dragged her to church, got um, committed to coming, and from 8th grade through 12th grade, so for five years now, she has blossomed out of her shell to being the kid who would hide in our tech booth and work the computer to getting up in front of hundreds of people, you know, in particular, even on Easter and saying in front of, you know, several hundred people, um, you know, and that's, I think, a testament of why, you know, generationally based ministry and in particular, next generationally based ministry is so, so important and to have somebody like a Mac pouring into their lives. Amen to um, that. So it's it's cool to watch as, you know, you know, I, I had the I had the honor of being, you know, kind of artist mentor for many years and now um watching as Mac is continuing the cycle. It's just it's humbling and it's an honor just to watch as these kids mature and grow and um do more for him than they ever did for me. So I'm a little I'm a little <laughs> jealous. <laughs> they say it's one of the the you know the generations that's slipping away the fastest, right? Mm-hmm. Is that college age so, generation? So I think it was um, 
I think it was the Barna Research Group and probably I think it was Pew Pew Study that have come out and they've said that there are two great um, drop-offs in the church. Um, the greatest drop-off is taking place between 12th grade and college. Okay. Uh, when kids graduate from high school and go off to college, uh, there's, you know, for a lot of them, less structure. So there's no longer the parental push to go and be involved in church. Right. That's so that's always been a demographic. It oh, is yeah. forever. I mean, right. when I was in youth ministry, you know, early on back, you know, 15 years ago, that was our greatest. How do we, how do we instill within the next generation enough of a, a passion for Jesus that when they leave to go to college, they don't leave the church, but mm. that they stay invested. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a continuing uh, problem in it, but but I also I also find a lot of hope because in particular last year's graduating class, mm-hmm. um, we had so many kids who stayed plugged in, um, and and my hope is that this next graduating class from this year will have a lot of kids who stay plugged in as well, and that we even if it's just on our our small local level can start to see some of the, the this change, but the next greatest shift that they're saying uh, uh, for drop off is actually between fifth grade and sixth grade. And the reason being is um, for so many of the kids in elementary age, there's not as many extracurricular activities. So the parents plug the kids into church. You know, if you, if you're a church going family, we're there every week, you know, elementary aged um, ministry tends to be big, but the drop off from elementary fifth grade into middle school is significant Mm -hmm. because now kids have extracurricular activities and they have middle school pressures and, so how how does somebody like Mac or uh, take any of our other local youth pastors who I've, I've I've had the honor of getting to know many of the guys here in Claremont over the last few years like how do they and um, us as churches wade into the conversation of making an investment so that kids don't fall off between fifth and sixth and twelfth sure. and college uh-huh. shows you the importance too of just transition. It was funny I was talking to someone. I had a hybrid class, so we stayed all weekend, and and this person who does campus ministry in Georgia came up to me, and she said, as working in youth ministry, like, what what do you find in your middle schoolers and high schoolers to be so different? And then we started talking for a little, and she said, you know, the coolest thing is that I've been in both worlds, campus ministry and and student ministry, and she said, you know what the biggest biggest kind of two things that I see relate to each other? It's middle schoolers and first year and first and second year college students. Mm-hmm. She said, because the transition technically in your brain, you know, even though one's more matured and developed is so similar mm-hmm. and, and all the new things you're introduced to, all the freedoms that you have now, all the uh, things that you can look up to. Cause you, you think about the a sixth grader compared to an eighth grader, it's a mm-hmm. huge, huge mm-hmm. jump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you think freshman to sophomore, not as big a jump. And, mm-hmm. and when you think about that, that kind of thought, sure. so mm-hmm. just a cool, yeah, transition is so important and it's, definitely something you got to navigate when you're in the youth world so it really is and we had some guests on here i was trying to find the show number um from campus crusade for christ yeah crew uh-huh crew um dan and dan dan and i'm so sorry dan danielle. danielle that's we'll what that. that's where i was going to okay dan, dan, and, dan and danielle morris um Phenomenal young people who are just, you know, out there every day trying to connect college age people Mm -hmm. to Christ. It's such an important ministry and area, you know, and I was so impressed by them because they're young people, you know, and here they are just out there serving the Lord with everything they've got. But um, maybe you guys can share a little with us about 
you know, what kind of like lit the torch for you guys as far as, you know, wanting to get into ministry? Because it's not really an easy calling, you know, because you're held to a totally mm-hmm. different standard, that right. not only by people here on earth, but our Heavenly Father mm-hmm. as well. So can you guys share a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny as you say that, Mac and I had this conversation. We were somewhere the other day uh, out in the community. And it became that whole, you know, we bumped into people and it was like, you know, hey, we're always, and I hate to make it sound like this, but we're always on because as a, mm-hmm. as a pastor in a church of, of our size, really of any size, but, you know, the bigger the church, the, 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 the longer the influence. So, you know, we go to Target, we go to Walmart, we go to Publix, and the chances are we're going to bump into somebody. Absolutely. I get and it. And it becomes this like, hey, we're always kind of on. But I, the, the thing about our staff that I love, um, you know, at, at First Methodist and here in Claremont, the thing I love is um, who you see on Sunday is the same person you're going to see throughout the week. Right. Mm-hmm. So even though we're, you know, kind of quote unquote on, that's really just who we are. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, um, you know, it's funny on Easter Sunday, somebody bumped into me. I was so frazzled. Um, it's <laughs> Easter Sunday. And they're like, oh, they're, they're trying to run 80 things by me. And I, I think I blew them off, and I texted them that night, and I'm like, I'm sorry for being a jerk. And and they appreciated that. They're like, that, that wasn't you. I'm like, you know, you're right, that's not me, but sometimes we get frazzled. We're, we're normal people. Absolutely. Um, but we're, we are always kind of on. Um, but to go back to the question, for me, the, the, the fire got lit in the calling to ministry um, about my senior year of high school. When I had a, I had a mentor, had a pastor who invested in my life and recognized that I had a calling to ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more that I began to throw myself into church and see, you know, you know, success, I guess, defined by the church standards, the more that I realized that I think God was pointing me in that direction. When I got out of high school, I started to take some seminary classes um, in conjunction while working on my undergrad. Uh, through RTS, through Reformed Theological Seminary, mm-hmm. um, and I just, I just fell in love with the Bible. I fell in love with, with trying to know as much of it as possible. But also, I also really appreciated the aspect of teaching, uh, teaching God's word. So when I began to like do those corny, cheesy, you know, spiritual gifts tests, there, it always pointed to like you know, pastoring and teaching as being. <laughs> And I say they're corny. Uh, remember those, Mikey? I do. Oh yeah. Um, I was shocked at mine. So I don't get me wrong. I love I love what they um, what they can help accomplish. I really do, and I'm not making fun of them by the, by the least. Um, we we have one on our church website that we recommend for people who are who are um, searching to know where God has gifted them. Um, but mine always pointed to like pastoring and teaching. So that always became my passion. So like. God kind of lit this passion that for somebody like myself who grew up outside of the church and got saved into the church and saved into a relationship with Jesus, that he kind of lit this fire to help me uh, instill that in those around me who also were outside the church. I have a a big heart for evangelism and a big heart for outreach to try to get those outside of the community of faith into the community of faith. So that's kind of how, in a nutshell, I've navigated my way to where I am today. but what about you there, uh, Mr. Mac? Yeah, um, this might sound a little different, but I would say the more I realized how bad my flesh wanted to refuse the call, the more I realized it was a call. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh, well I, said. Wow. I so, Let that sink in. <laughs> no uh, yeah, I so badly tried to stop 
and tried to put up walls and put up little barriers. Um, and that sounds crazy because I'm 24 and I, you know, I have so many friends and so many stories that you hear that they refused it until they were older and they found sure. it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Tons of those stories. Um, and so a lot of you, people would say like, no, it just kind of was an easy route. And it was, I, I have to say that too. I, I have to say that, I don't know if you guys ever think of like the Hansel and Gretel, you know, the gumdrops on the floor and them following it. Like I've always used that as the example or the Cheerios commercials with the kids. I've always used that as the example that like God just literally put these it wasn't hard to see opportunities in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just sometimes be an idiot and I wouldn't grab them. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't grab the the Cheerios in front of me. I wouldn't grab the gumdrops. I wouldn't grab the opportunity um, because I just so badly wanted no to No ET control. reference there. I'm surprised. Yeah. <laughs> you know, movies of the yeah. 80s He's come too up. young yeah. for that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it was so an ET it. set up right there for that the, was, for that the was. message series coming but up. It's, it's tune un- in with Chris. Tune in, yeah, uh, unfortunately, that's not one of our movies. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> almost. Okay. It was on the list. It, it was, was it was on it was on my short list, but uh, the short list of like twenty <laughs> movies. <laughs> I had to call to back five, and yeah. erase a few of these, man. Elliot. Oh, but anyway. Um, but yeah, so um, I, I, to give you the quickest example, I even tried to double major when I got into college. Mm -hmm. Um, I tried to double major and and it's so funny this week I'm speaking on what are, uh, you can't have two masters and I'm going to speak about how I tried to have two majors and it was kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I tried to major in communications, which unless you're going into ministry, wasn't really this or into like broadcast, which I wasn't going to be doing or anything like that. It wasn't really the smartest choice. Um, and then I also was, I was always really into sports, really into, um, you know, I wanted to do something in the medical field. And so I was a health science major cause I wanted to go into PR, I mean, not PR into, um, physical therapy. Mm-hmm. And I was passionate about that, passionate about either doing that or being an athletic trainer. And so I double majored and I remember walking in and talking to my mentor and him asking me how everything was going my first semester. And I told him, I was like, yeah, and I'm double majoring. He goes, double majoring. Said, yeah. He goes, what are you double majoring? And I told him communications and health sciences. And I started to realize the real reason I double majored was because the first questions you get asked when you're in college is, what are you majoring in? When you're meeting all these new people. And when you say, I'm majoring in human communications, the first thing people usually say is something snarky back, like, oh, as opposed to dog communications, as opposed to animal communications. (laughs) And I was so, yeah, I was so tired of just feeling like I was wasting my education. Mm -hmm. I was the first kid in my family to go to college. I felt like I really needed to just knock it out of the park. I needed to do something that I could walk out and get a sweet paycheck. And those can't be your motivations. You know what I mean? And I just, I'm telling you, that was that fleshly, just like pull. It was like, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. And, um, it wasn't what I was supposed to do. And I realized that. And so that day he said, yeah, just drop the communications major, man. Drop the communications major if you're if you're not sold on it. Um, and I went home and I dropped the human I dropped the health sciences major that day and uh, just kind of said I'll be all in. God, I'll, I'll trust you in this if I'm all in. Um, that things will line up and sure enough they have. So that's kind of where my my fire. Yeah, you, got lit. You, you don't tend to get a lot of 24 year olds no. right out of college who get hired on into um, you know vocational careers for the long haul oh, yeah right yeah you know so it was a gift it was and it was mm-hmm. a good call too to be able to say hey you know i'm gonna i'm gonna invest in the one that's gonna be you know beneficial for me and in, in moving into my future um you know me on the other side i i majored and minored but they were both in bible i had like a major in youth ministry and a minor in, in bible literature so it was like 
it was taking two extra Bible classes. Like, woohoo, I have a minor. <laughs> uh, it's not not the same as like picking up sports medicine or uh, physical therapy, but. Well, you know, I feel like it's so like our Heavenly Father too to give us gifts when we've been obedient as well. And I kind of feel like that's kind of what he did for you, Mac. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say too, I got a taste of everything. I tore my ACL and just in, in terms of my life, it kind of has changed a lot of ways in which I viewed just the world in general. Mm-hmm. And I got to go through the physical therapy process, have been going through so much different, you know, exercise sciences and um all of that. And it's been cool to connect all of the things that I felt like I was passionate about. Cause I don't think I lost the passion for them. I just don't think that it was really at the heart of what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And to see where those kind of overflow and, and mix has been cool in life too. So mm-hmm. that's great. I know I have other questions. Oh, I have, yeah. I have one. All yeah. right, go Mikey. I want to, well, you've been talking the way we, the way this thing is going from the beginning. I want to know why you signed up. Why? What did you have ready to do when you actually said, "I want to be on this date today"? Yes. Uh, oh, on, the, on the radio station. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was interesting. Um, so when I came and I gave my testimony a few weeks back, and we we I think we were just kind of joking about you know, hey, when when are you going to come back? And I and I honestly, um, I was open to anything. Um, since Fritz has come on staff with us at the church, been getting to know him and. Uh, getting to know Tina and just, I love their heart. I love uh, who they are as people. Um, and I think as a result, being able to just kind of say, hey, uh, this is something they're passionate about. I see I see the value in what this is doing, reaching, um, what'd you say, 92 countries? 94. 94 countries. That we know of. That's that's unbelievable in addition to, you know, our, our local um, you know, Claremont community, and so on and so forth, it, it becomes uh, just kind of a, an amazing endeavor and to be able to be a part of it. I was like, you know what, for, for these guys, I would absolutely love to come back. And we, we joked and we said we needed to get Mac in here. Mac is, um, you know, he and I do a lot of panel discussions while right. we do our Sunday morning services. Mm-hmm. As we've tried to create a church community that looks and feels like church, but at the same time, not like church, um, church kind of done differently. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had panel discussions where we've pulled people up who have, um, you know, stories to tell, like you guys take in sure. or, um, you know, are able to be a ministry. We've got a, we've got a couple guys who were pastors who've retired, who come to awaken, who, um, I've called up, we've got our, our Wesley Christian Academy, uh, principals and directors and teachers who some are formally educated, they've come up and had conversations with us. So um, when we had said a couple weeks back, hey, let's have a panel, I, I thought it was a great opportunity because um, I'll never forget, it was uh, one of our high school seniors, he's going to graduate this year. We were on a car trip down to South Florida for a youth retreat. And he he just sat next to me and he was like, can I ask you a question? I was like, yeah, any anything. And it became Stump the Pastor. <laughs> it was every every random question he's ever wanted to ask. And I, I, to the best of my ability, answered the questions he had. So that became the model. That conversation years ago became kind of our model for our panels and saying, hey, come in and, and we'll, let's ask some questions and keep you on your toes became um, a fun idea. 
And is it hard? I think for- it's awesome because you know everybody has those questions. Yeah. Everybody it, does. Is it hard for you, Chris? That I know you. I know your character, and I know your education. And I just wondered, do you, in those situations, do you put on the theologian hat, or do you answer from the heart? Or what's your go-to there? You know, when they, you know, they, you know, no, what do a, you think about this? That's a great question. Uh, can I, can I give you an example? Well, absolutely. I was running a 10K with a friend of mine, and um, we were at probably about mile four, and we're jogging, and and she turned and she asked me a question. Hey, what do you think about blank? And I said. All right. Here's what the here's what here's what the Bible teaches. She said, no, 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 no. What do you think? And I said to her, I said, you know, my my theology shapes so much of how I think and act that the answers that I give uh, tend to be kind of um, intertwined with one another because I do allow my my theology um, and my understanding of who God is to direct and dictate what I believe as a as a person, I've I've integrated my faith into my life, mm-hmm. um, and, and vice versa. So when I give an answer, um, I tend to be wearing um, a couple different hats. I wear the pastor hat, you know, I, I come at it with a, a heart of compassion. I wear the theologian hat because I believe that what we think about God is probably the most important thing that we think, um, and I and I come at it now that I'm I'm getting older and as a dad, I also come at it from the approach of a parent. Um, like, how would I say this to my own kids in a way that would help an eight-year-old understand the love and the compassion of of God as Father? So uh, I tend to wear a lot of hats when I answer questions. Mm-hmm. So you might see my my face. Um, if you ever look at me and I look mad, I'm not mad. I'm usually probably thinking because um, I'm trying to process a lot of information through a lot of different channels. I've seen that face before. <laughs> it's not that I'm— Several I'm, times. I'm not PO'd, I promise. You're right. I'm just thinking— um, deeply uh <laughs> but i i probably have turned some people off and uh, by that and i apologize but no i i try to i try to process a lot of things as a as a as a kid i um i spoke first and thought second <laughs> and now as an oh, adult i never did that <laughs> it's peter it's peter yeah i mean still don't do that but now as an adult i try to think first and speak second um <laughs> there's a there's a famous quote it's attributed to uh I think it's Abraham Lincoln, although I, I don't know if he actually ever said it, but it, it's it, the quote goes, uh, it's better to remain silent and be perceived as being stupid than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that that's kind of become my motto in life. You bet. Well, and, and James basically says kind of, kind of the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, speak. Be uh, quick to listen and slow, slow to speak. speak. Slow to speak, yeah. Yeah. So that... That's um, how did we get here? I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> I, 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 was, asked, I was questioning you. I, yeah, I asked. You know, you had initially signed up for this uh-huh. date to come on the show. Yeah, and I wanted to know since we were started out the way we started out. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to know what your your thinking was to yeah. come on and what you were going to uh, express. Yeah, I think I think we're we're gonna try to field some random questions and and see how it goes from there. Okay. Yeah, I didn't have tickets to the Avengers Endgame, so I was like, this is... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I uh, I was, you know, Fritz came and said, would you be interested? I said, absolutely, man. And uh, kind of like Chris had, had said, I just have really fallen in love with the hearts of you guys. Uh, I really have. Uh, I, you know, 
people tell we've had a couple new hire. I'm like, I was a new hire. So I've had, we've had a couple new hires since. And every time I talk with my friends about just the church and the new hires and the people that I'm really, really adoring and, and loving being on staff with, you know, Fritz name definitely gets brought up a lot. Um, his heart, his passion. One of my really good friends, his name is Eli. Um, and he does. What Can't Fritz, wait to meet him. Oh, you will over summer. And if he's listening right now, he's actually at Avengers right now, but he's going to listen afterwards. <laughs> um, yeah, I know all my friends. Yeah. I'm staying away from my phone. They're going to be spoiling everything. Oh. Um, but yeah, it, when I saw the passion that he had, for something that I had never associated that you could bring so much of God's image to, which is, you know, graphics, uh, design, you know, visual, visual arts and everything. And to see, uh, Fritz have that same passion. I said, man, I just, I I really, really adore those people, uh, and really, really love their heart and ministry and, and just the purpose of, they can do so many things that I can't even think of. Not that I can't do that. I can't even think of, which is just, you gotta, you gotta pick those brains whenever you get the chance to. So I've, I knew you know, he kind of went into my office and wrote it on the rest of the calendar. I said, okay, I'll be there. So it works out. <laughs> or maybe that was Chris. Chris might have wrote it on the calendar. And said, You're I don't there. remember. But it's on my calendar, and I did not write it. So. <laughs> okay. Well, I've got another question here for yeah. you. Um, this is from a friend of mine named Laura. And she said, how do you handle the tough parts of the Bible when they're in direct conflict with the pattern of this world? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say, I'm going to say one thing first, because you were asking Chris too, like, does the theologian speak or does the heart speak? Um, and I'm not much of a theologian in my opinion yet, um, but I will say that I 100% almost all the time when it comes to, to panels, and pan, I would say panels have a huge influence on why I'm in the church still. The first service mm-hmm. that I decided to, as a teenager, go to, I only went to because they held a panel with the, mm-hmm. the pastor afterwards. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And um, the one thing that I never, ever liked was when somebody tried to give you an answer. Mm-hmm. Oh, I get it. And I loved it when they would just admit where they weren't completely confident in, mm-hmm. right. um, because what it showed is that they were confident in God. And if you're confident in God and you're not as confident in your answer, I appreciate what you say so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every single answer that I, I ever give in panels, the first thing I ask is this person that's behind this question is asking it for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I just want to speak to them. I don't want to, I don't want to speak to the question. I want to speak to them. And so I, it's 100% from the heart from, for me. Uh, but I wanted to just address that before. Yeah. I mean, you know, you get a question like this question and, um, you know, let me restate it is, you know, how do we, how do we deal with the parts of the Bible that are difficult? Um, in particular, when those parts of the Bible seem to be, um, you know, kind of in conflict with the pattern of this world or the, the culture of our time, because, you know, when you look at our day and age today, you see a culture that looks very different than the one that's spoken of in, in the Bible. I mean, that's so different. Yeah, it's very true. You know, and I agree. I agree with Mac. I want to I want to approach the, the question from from a perspective of, of compassion and love, you know, because the, the the truth is, is that you're not the first person to deal with uh, deal with the tough stuff. Uh, for two thousand years of church history, they've been dealing with this tough stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have have taken the approach of let's just not deal with the tough stuff. Let's only let's only focus on the things that are easy. Um, and when we only focus on the things that are easy, we miss out on the beauty and the majesty of of all of God's word. Mm-hmm. Oh, amen um, to that. There's there's so much in there that's difficult. Um, but we also need to we also need to think about how we bridge the gap um, and which direction we move in. 
-hmm. Because what we try to do today, and this is one of the biggest problems that so many people have with the Bible, is we try to read today into the scriptures. And when we read today into the scriptures, what we find is that there are some inconsistencies because we're trying to read our cultural context, our personal preferences, the things that we know we like, we believe into something that's 2,000 years old. But if we can change the direction of the bridge and we can read the scriptures into us, and we can read the scriptures into the, this day, uh, we begin to look at it through a different set of lenses and we begin to look at it through a different approach. Can you give us an example of that, uh, an illustration? Um, you got any off the top of your head? In terms of like a scripture that was, that's kind of controversial today, but mm -hmm. if you were to read it in the context of biblical times, it wouldn't be. Mm -hmm. um, I can't think of the exact verse off the top of my head, but there's a couple of scriptures that have a lot to do um, with, you know, I'll use a, a, a reference of today with sexual assault mm -hmm. and what happens to the victim. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a lot of it that is the women are forced to marry mm -hmm. the person who sexually assaulted them. And the one thing that you read is that you have to understand the context of what that means, because what a woman gets in marrying someone is all of that man's possessions as well. Mm -hmm. And so now there, there's also there's other yeah. bylaws and stuff. I'm not super I'm going through church history as we kind of speak right now in, in yeah. classes and I'm learning more about this. But there's so many laws that don't protect that women that woman um but that in the marriage they are protected if mm -hmm. that makes sense and mm -hmm. so the marriage becomes more of a, a protection for her because she can she can refuse the um other aspects that happen after marriage if mm -hmm. that makes sense um, but the safety net for her is that she now gets you know his his working his, whatever he she has wages. that financial security exactly and so you look at it in today's context and you say you're you're going to tell me that this person who did this horrible thing to me, I have to end, end up being with. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, today that looks absolutely foolish. But back then it was completely for the sake of, of protection of the yeah. world. Mm -hmm. um, and that that would be the honorable thing to do. And so, yeah, there's a scripture. Yeah, what a great that, example. So. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, yeah, it's, back it, then the woman was, if something like that happened to them, they're basically the life was over. Exactly. Pretty much. Because yeah. they were also looked at as dirty. Right. Mm -hmm. They were looked at as unclean at that point. And so what are you doing is you're saying that this this woman belong like belongs somewhere for sure. Mm -hmm. And then they have the option, you know, their father also has a lot of say in that as well. Um, but you take the complete separation away, you take no marriage and that that woman's left with nothing. You're 100 percent correct, because one of the things we don't read into it is um, that was an honor and shame culture, mm -hmm. um, and it was uh, you became an object of shame when um, you have something like this happen, and the only way to have your shame covered mm -hmm. is to have somebody come over and take care of you. Mm -hmm. uh, and and it, 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 the concept is the idea of the kinsman redeemer. We see this in mm -hmm. the book of Ruth, um, where Boaz comes along and he cares for Ruth, mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful, beautiful story. Mm -hmm. um, but we we don't, uh, in particular, for many of us here in America, you know, 21st, 21st century uh, Americans, we don't understand the concept of honor and shame because we live in a culture of guilt. Mm -hmm. um, and Some of us culturally, though, do still understand that right. honor and shame. Yeah, and I'm not, yeah. I'm not completely disregarding mm -hmm. that. You are right. Mm -hmm. But for many of us today, we, we live in a, a culture of guilt where we want to guilt people into... Um, feeling guilty about the things that we do, and we don't have the same, not everybody, but a lot of us, don't have the same understanding of the difference between shame and guilt. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, sometimes when you when you read some of these things and you go, like Mac was saying, you know, how could you do this? Well, this is to protect them because now they have a name, now they have a standing, now they have an inheritance, now they have protection, they have all these things that, that happen. So when we read the cultural context from today into then and we go, this sounds terrible, but when we read then into today, mm-hmm. it's not it's not as bad. So when we when we flip the bridge and we we switch the direction of it, we see it a little bit differently. So so back to the question of how do we deal with the difficult things is, um, for many of us, we need to understand that difficult things we're not going to understand all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of things in the Bible, you know, even as much as I've studied, and I, I'm nobody, right? Um, there's many things that I don't know. I, I go to, you know, people that I respect, theologians. Um, I read what they have to say on it. I read commentators. I read it from all the different perspectives, um, you know, our, you know the, the Wesleyan perspective to the Reformed perspective to a Calvinistic perspective to a non-denominational perspective. So I try to get around the topic to, to come at it, um, to, to get as much information as possible because— um, the difficult things in the Bible are difficult for a reason because mm-hmm. uh, they speak into you know, life circumstances. They talk, talk about a lot of them, a lot, a lot of different things. So as a result, it, it is hard to give like the, here's how you do it, as much as we need to be well-versed, we need to be well-studied. But we also need to—I I think one of the things that's helped me— mm-hmm is um, trying to understand a lot of these difficult things in in the context of uh, community mm-hmm. and not coming at it as an individual but coming at it as a as a church body mm-hmm. and in doing so i realized that some of that has helped me understand that the difficult things are meant to be um, tackled mm-hmm. and approached from from the concept of having a church community come alongside me and, and go at a lot of these things with me that i don't go at it alone and then we have no idea how to measure God's grace too oh, yeah. because he can step in and provide grace anytime he Amen wants. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. So and um as much as he wants. and as much as he wants, that's yeah. right. So it's it's, it's I, I really respect what you said because mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. We just don't have the answers to a lot of things yeah. and we have to pray and we have to you know work our way around to understand and maybe have some sort of an idea, but we might not always have the exa- the perfect answer. And so, I was going to say, speaking of grace, too, in in the sense that uh, I was asked a year ago why I think I'm in seminary, and I always told people it's because I know a lot of seminary I don't even think I really want to be in, uh, but I know that I'm there because I'm supposed to be learning about grace. Yeah. That God placed that so well, so well in my heart. And my one of my favorite professors I've had so far looked at me and he said, I've always said the goal of seminary is to ask better questions. Mm-hmm. And what I learned is that when you ask better questions, you learn about grace. Mm-hmm. Wow. And the very thing that you usually question in the Bible, right, almost always, I'm not going to say always, but almost always highlights what your heart breaks for. Mm-hmm. And if your heart breaks wow. for it, if your heart breaks for it, then I think the scriptures may have done something that it needed to do for you. Mm-hmm. I know so many people that. that look at verses and they say, I just can't understand. I can't wrap my head around this. And it's probably because your heart breaks for whatever it's calling out mm-hmm. and that it's an area in this world desperately needs wow. you. So that's yeah. something I always look back at, too. Yeah, we've had that conversation. But I, I think, too, um, you know, one of the things we say is usually the issue is not the issue. You know, somebody's asking the question of how do we deal with the hard stuff. It's usually a hard thing. Um, and what's the 
in particular one thing or two things that we're wrestling with because as max said you know our heart is probably breaking for that because in our mind we're thinking of somebody or we're thinking of a specific situation that's taken place and we go this is a big issue this is a a, a hard thing how do we how do we address this with love and with grace and to speak into this one circumstance um and when we can remove some of those other obstacles and we can begin to speak life into one particular um, circumstance, um, like like Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, we have an opportunity to to give somebody real grace, not cheap grace. Mm-hmm. Like when we offer cheap grace, these these, you know, lobbed up answers of, you know, you know Philippians 413, you can do all things through Christ. and You walk away and it's like that doesn't help me at all. Like what I need is somebody to come alongside. That's why the church has to come alongside and wade into this with me. And when we wade into this together and we go at this together, now we can deal with difficult things because we're not going at it alone Mm -hmm. and we can extend grace. So, Man, amen to that. I know when you guys were doing the panel, one of the questions that I had texted into you guys is, um, Mac what, filtered it, by the way. It was nothing. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> um, what do you do when you don't feel God's presence, yeah. you know, in your life? Because we all have those times in our lives where, you know, we've been walking with God or maybe he'll be silent for a day or two or a week or two or a month or two. But then you, you start getting longer periods or you start yeah. going through these areas of your life where it's it's just constant attack 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 and you're just trying to you're just trying to get up and move forward every day can you guys speak a little to that yeah um i you know what's funny is i remember i i distinctly remember that question when we were having this conversation because um in that moment i remember god kind of placed on my heart that um silence does not mean absence um, and that was one of the big things that I think mm-hmm. I took that, I think I took that away from myself. I was like, I need to write that down. <laughs> um, that, you know, when God is silent, it doesn't necessarily mean that God is absent. Mm-hmm. Um, in our culture, we are so fast paced. We are so inundated with noise that we expect sometimes that God is going to, um, speak to us and be, be as ever present as the glow of our phones will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes God needs to, um, get our attention by not saying anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in the midst of his silence, he is, he is present. Um, you know, that, that's, that's one part of the answer. The other part is, you know, dealing with the attacks and everything. But I, I think that, you know, when, when we begin to go through seasons where God is present, um, we need to look at how um, how we are moving forward in in so far as like if God is silent, have we walked away from God because we're not getting the responses that we want? Or are we continuing to seek after Him? Are we continuing to be faithful? Are we continuing to go to church, surrounding ourselves with um, other people who could speak into our lives? Um, yeah, I'll speak. I'll speak personally. Uh, I've been wrestling with some stuff in my own life, and I think it was about three weeks ago, Sunday morning, I sat in my car and I said, God, um, I need you to answer this prayer. Have you ever felt defeated sometimes that like you just got punched in the gut? Uh, No, never. No, never. (laughs) Man, I pray. I want to be around you more. Super spiritual over here. All right. (laughs) You know, I remember remember sitting there going. Recently. Um like yeah i'll be vulnerable that you know like 
is, am I still called the ministry? Am I still called to be in church? Like <laughs> I've had that conversation. Oh my gosh. With the father. I'm, I'm like, you know, God, if, if this is where you want me to be and this is what you want me to do, um, I need, I need you to speak into this. And like, before I'm even done praying, I got a text message from a good close friend of mine saying, Hey, I'm praying for you today. I'm praying for your flock today because I know that God's got good things in store. And I was like, seriously, God, like you showed up. He spoke to me, but not from him, but right. through somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it, it became one of those moments that like I've had to pray those prayers. I've had to surround myself with those people. I've had to say these things and trust these things. And God has continued to remind me I'm, I'm where I'm at. Um, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, even in the midst of those difficult times where I sit back and I go, all right, God, you've been silent on this, but you know, you know, and please, we should never put God to the test. Um, Bible kind of talks against it. I, you know, in our own frustrations, we do things and say things, and mm -hmm. um, but God's still faithful in the midst of our own um, our own failures. But uh, you got anything to add to this? Yeah, um, I'm. I've always been someone who's really accepted challenge well. Um, and so if one of the, th I'm, I'm going to say a couple things about it, but one of the things might even sound like a challenge and I don't mean it to say you probably aren't doing anything right. I mean it to just say is, does it challenge you? And if it does, then that's a good sign too. Um, but the first thing I want to say is silence sometimes, like you were saying, uh, is something to grow you, mm -hmm. is something to shape you, is something to, to highlight those areas in which maybe you need more dependency. And my mentor, my favorite thing he ever said, and he says it over and over again, he said, anything that calls you to dependency on God is a gift. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you think about life, most of the things that call you to dependency on God aren't the most fun things. Mm -mm. No. Um, but if it's calling you to dependency, then dependency is always a gift. Wow. When you realize that you need to be dependent. Mm -hmm. um, and it, we it, seek him in the silence harder. Wouldn't you agree? 100%. Yeah. 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 There's 100%. A, there was this Indian, uh, an Indian tribe that uh, when they bring boys into in, when they say that they're uh, entering manhood, they bring them out, um, they blindfold them, and then they take them into the woods, um, and they make them just kind of be out there completely alone in the, in the wilderness, right? And so they, these these people have always been, uh, there's actually two two different stories that happen with these Indian tribes, but one is they, they, they bring a, a guy, complete, a, a kid, completely out there alone, uh, and then they take his blindfold off. They leave him out there and say, over, you got to stay overnight the whole time. Um, and what he finds out in the morning is that his dad's actually just been watching the entire time mm -hmm. that he's been looking upon him. Um, but it doesn't stop the kid from going through all the growth that he needed to go through in that mm -hmm. moment. But he also learns in the daylight that his father had him no matter what the entire time anyways. And so there's no trust lost. And so my question is, is, in the silence, are you losing trust? Um, because I don't think that, that God is, is testing, you know what I mean? He, I don't think he's testing your trust even at that point too, but if you are, um, my question would be is like, what is it that you need to get back into that rhythm? Um, and if you're asking that question, then like I said, I think asking that question alone is a good thing. Uh, because if I walk around blindly without asking, like, what can I be doing to be more in the rhythm of what God's trying to call me to? then I'm, I'm walking around blind in a sense too. Um, I find in those times that he's exposing something in my flesh. Oh yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and it, it rises to the top eventually. Oh, big time. Yeah. yeah. And, and well, the, one of the things too is, you know, something to bear in mind as you say that is like, even in the midst of our sinfulness, even when we're still sinning, it's not as though God has turned his back on us. 
you know, just because we've done wrong, it doesn't mean that God is punitive and is punishing us by walking away and being silent. That, oh, no, I've, I have hurt God, and now God is silent towards me. That even in the midst of our sinfulness, I mean, I, what is it, Romans? Um, oh, my gosh. I have a Bible in front of me. I'll open it up in a second. Romans says that, um, that yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right. So I think it's, what is it? Five, eight. Five, eight. Yeah. So like while we were still sent, not while we cleaned ourselves up, not while we got our act together, not while we were perfect and good and close to God, but while we were terrible, sinful, far from God, even in the midst of that, God is still responding to us. So like the hope is for us knowing that even, even when we do do wrong, um, that God has not turned his back on us. So like those moments of silence, I love what Max said, you know, they might be an opportunity for growth. Yes. Amen. But you know, all right, I'll put my theologian hat on, like, right. We, let's go to God's word. Was God ever silent to any of the quote unquote Bible heroes? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Moses sat on the bench for 40 years. Oh yeah. Israel sat on the bench for 400 years. Abraham. You know, Abraham, all these. Joseph. All, Joseph. We, you can name off character after character, Job, Jonah, uh, <laughs> all of the prophets, they all found periods of time in their life where they felt as though God was silent. Mm -hmm. And yet, even in the midst of the silence, God was still ever present. Yeah, Mike, I I love that you said that, and I love that you thought that when that question came in, because it, it really lined up with what a friend told me, and when she told me it, it gave me like immediate peace. Mm -hmm. So I knew it was from the Lord. But she told me, you know, even when Uh, Jesus was in the boat and this great storm was going on, you know, he was asleep. He was there. And that's sort of how I felt. It's not so much that I I don't feel that he's around. It just feels like he's sleeping, you know, and I'm caught up in the circumstances of the storm. But the thing is, Jesus is still in the boat. (laughs) You also you want to read that scripture a lot differently. We always read the part where he says you have little faith as a call out. But what if you have little faith is like the little faith. Mm-hmm. They didn't lose the faith. They mm-hmm. still ran to Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. It took a little faith. Mm-hmm. They didn't lose it. Um, and I think that sometimes is is those, those moments of silence is usually when we get to see what our little faith looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ooh. I hope I hope that it is a little faith. Mm-hmm. I hope, you know what I mean, and not a wow. lost faith. So yeah. I have a good, hey, a little, a little faith can move a mountain. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mustard seed. Yep. And uh, when Mac used that uh, story with the Indian tribe in with the father actually staying there over and watching his son, that's the same as the Heavenly Father. He's always there and he's always with you. Amen. There's another another group of uh, an Indian tribe that does the same thing, but they do it with a group of guys. Mm -hmm. And they learn very quickly that every single one of them are supposed to do it on their own, and they all find each other Mm -hmm. Um, because... You know, the easiest way to get through a situation of fear is that you come together. So that was just a completely different example. But, well, I mean, yeah. and that I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier, that in the midst of, you know, a lot of those things, finding the others to lean on. Yeah. You know, we need we need the, the support mm-hmm. of the church. I mean, so we're Methodists, so let me quote our, our homeboy John Wesley. Like, he said he knew, he knew nothing of solitary religion because Christianity is not a faith that can be experienced alone. It requires a community of people to go through with, because without it, it's not really a Christian faith. That's the truth. Sometimes, sometimes when we're going through those times, we 
we almost avoid the people that we feel like are on fire for God because mm-hmm. we're like, you just don't get it right now. Um, but in my life, like that's been the most important people to have around me at those mm-hmm. times is like that there is this spark that I am just seeing just be completely ignited in them. Mm-hmm. And though I might feel like I'm a damp rag that can't catch it, you know what I mean? Like being around them long enough. you know. I they, also find that the enemy will use those times to frustrate you uh-huh. and isolate you. And yep. then you want to cut yourself off from that support. And that's in a you're in a dangerous area then because then well it's you know iron sharpens iron you you can't like he said you can't do life alone you can't and the the Bible is all about relationships Mm -hmm. and that's what he wants you know and I had sent you um, or tagged you or something on this Tony Evans yeah that um, was that was a cool video it was it was a a really great um, sermon that he had preached and. You know, it really, that also brought me a lot of peace too, because I felt like once I started opening up about the pain, about what was going on is when I was really starting to receive some healing Mm -hmm. um, from the Lord. And then I started feeling the Lord's presence again, because I had people praying for me. So that support of your brothers and your sisters, you know, your, your brothers, your church family, your, your family in Christ praying for you, supporting you, walking alongside of you is really what brings some, sometimes you need in order to bring the healing, you know? And then, um, you know, don't forget about the church too, because it tells you to go to those church elders and pray, you know, have them anoint you with oil and, Mm -hmm. and pray over you and so forth. It's, you're all one great big family. You're a body in Christ, you know, so you've got to, you've got to lean in sometimes. And like Fritz was saying, you can't isolate, you have to open up. And once you start shedding the light, then Jesus can start shining through. I know in my personal experiences though, you get the chatter, like people don't really want to be bothered with my stuff. Yep. And the argument against that, you want to make a friend's day, ask him for help. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That's you right. Wanna, you want to make a pastor's day? Go ask. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's every single time. Yeah. And so, and, and you'd want the same, right. you know? So you better we believe forget it. that. I mean, know? how much better, let's just be honest. Like how much better would our world be when we ask somebody, Hey man, how you doing? If they answered for real. Truthfully. Right. Yeah. Truthfully. Like yeah. the night, like the majority answer is I'm okay. All right. Eh, you know, it's been, and but nobody really goes, hey man, this week it's been A, B, C, D, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, if we took serious when we asked people, because I think this is also part of the problem, if to we listen. took serious, yeah. right? To listen that, all right, I'm going to ask you this, but I'm also going to care enough that when you give me the answer, amen to that, Chris. Right, we're, we're going to listen so that yeah. it doesn't, so it's not silent, it's not falling on right. deaf ears, but it's mm-hmm. it's being surrounded by community so that it can be lifted up in prayer and be you know, ch- you know, taken care of. Like, yeah, I, oh man. And men are the absolute worst at that because men will Preach. lie through their teeth, you know, because they're not supposed to, you know, don't show that weakness, that vul- vulnerability, you know. That's why men need men to yeah. come together yep. and ha- have an accountability partner. And, yeah. man, I could I could preach that. That's just... Uh-huh. Uh, and your spouse is your accountability partner, mm-hmm. too, you know, in life. I mean, God's given us that. Yeah. And I know that... Um, you know, receiving that advice. And I had a friend who also encouraged me to just share with my husband Mm -hmm. about how I was feeling. And I know that once 
I started to tell him what was going on inside of me. That man was ready to pray. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. He was just like, he busted straight into yeah. motion. <laughs> well, you got a good, you got a good man over there. I do. <laughs> I think, I think for some of us, here's, here's the nickel's worth of advice for any of the guys out there. Um, listen first and, and ask questions second and try to try to solve problems last. Uh, yeah, don't be a fixer. Yeah, that's that's my problem. My wife will tell you that my worst my worst trait is that when she tells me something, I'm like, "All right, let's tackle it, let's make it better." And she's like, I, "That's not what I need. Like, I need somebody to listen. I need somebody to right. care. I need somebody to empathize." And it's the same with the church too. They need yeah. to sit back and listen a yeah, lot, yeah. as opposed to doing. But you know, as men, we're wired that way. Yep, we're warriors. We're fixers. Yeah, but we're that wasn't your do... gut instinct, which was really interesting. Your gut instinct was to go straight to prayer. You know, well, I'd like to, you know, I'll, I give the father all the credit because that's just maturity in him yeah. because uh, I'm, you know, my first reaction would be, uh, I'm your husband. I'm the man. Let's fix this. Yeah. Yeah. You Spirit know, spoke and, louder. In that right. Moment, yeah. Exactly. Amen. Mac. I need to surround myself with more people like that. So do, do y'all, I, I, listen, we could go all night. I know. We, you, got, you, uh, you, we you, got plenty of coffee. You got any more questions you want to, you want to? Oh, well, there's tons more, but uh, we're going to, we might have to save it for another night because mm-hmm. we've been, uh, been an hour and 19 already. Wow. Right. Really? It goes fast. It does. It does. It's, it's quite enjoyable being with you guys. I love this. Likewise. I love this. I'd love to have Mac back to uh, give his testimony and share Absolutely. from his heart, you know, Absolutely. give us a kind of an A to Z a little bit, get everybody to know him yes some yeah. i know he's got a lot to say this is this is awesome i think we should do this on the regular yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely you know Absolutely. if you guys the lord puts a topic on your heart just let me know hey you guys come and uh let's have at it you know yeah, we I'm, can you know and and if i can if i could leave the last few thoughts um one of the one of the biggest things as a as a youth pastor and now as a pastor that i've always tried to encourage people is that don't let your questions um you know, drive you away from, from faith. Like, don't let your doubt or the questions that you have uh, put you in a position where you think that your questions are too big for God or, or even, or even too big for your pastor. Like one of the best things a pastor could say to you is, I don't have an answer right now. However, um, let's seek an answer. Let's search for an answer. Let's pray together. Let's walk through life together. Let's, let's come to figure out what's behind this. But you know, our, our questions and our doubts are not too big for God. Because if they were, our God is too small. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I think as Max said earlier, those those answers are critical. Mm-hmm. You know, because you just you just don't want to throw something, yeah, out there. Yeah, you know, and that people people know that. Right, and it's got to be like he said. Also, is it's got to be the answer's got to be for that person's situation as opposed to a general circumstance. Sure. Yep. I doubted God enough to get me here. If that makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that that's so often the story is that you know, the, the, the doubt call you to dependency. And mm-hmm. I keep coming back to that word, I guess, over and over again. But <laughs> We know the dependency word really well mm-hmm. <laughs> as being uh, graduates from CR. I don't think you ever graduate from CR, but uh, those are my peeps down there. And uh, yeah, man. we learned uh, a word called codependency. codependency. Mm-hmm. And uh, very powerful. Mm-hmm. I think anybody that recognizes their brokenness, you're in a good place. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Well, the, the amazing thing is that God takes broken things and makes them beautiful. So yeah, and he's know. yeah he perfects us. You yeah, know? and the brokenness is the is the most real part of you. I would argue most mm-hmm. of the time, 
Um, and I remember, you know, not to give too much of my testimony, but so there was so much of my time that I was doubting my call into ministry had everything to do with my story, had everything to do with, you know, I had so many influential people who had catastrophe in their life. So many influential people in my life that um, were off the deep end at one point. So many influential people in my life who were atheists at one point. Um, and their story is just so amazing. Mm-hmm. And I used to look and say, I'm just a kid who grew up in a really awesome family, um, got plugged in with a really awesome youth group. And if you were to like count my worst sins, you'd probably be like, you know, it was lame. <laughs> it's not the most entertaining list ever. Um, and I, that, used, that used to haunt me. Uh-huh. I used to think there's no chance I can get up in the pulpit and ever tell anybody something that's worth listening to because of that. And I remember saying, you know, these guys were not, they're not called to ministry because of their, because they did this and did that. They're called to ministry because they're real. Mm-hmm. That's and right. If you continue to be real, then you're going to continue to hear the voice of God where you need to hear it. Um, and I'm convinced thoroughly of that. Man, well said. Yeah. And Mac, you would be surprised how many people continually tell us, you know, my story's not that great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? And they are some of the best testimonies yeah. we get. Well, I'll, give you, I, I'll be back for the testimony. Mine all, all, <laughs> all revolves around flipping a camera off as a teenager. <laughs> That's great. That gives us something. Oh, really? Nice. To be continued. You're on the other side, though. It's like, yeah, I was the guy with the crazy testimony of all that stuff. And now, like, as a dad of daughters, like, my my prayer is that they have the boring testimony. Like, they grow up and their testimony is, I always went to church. I've always loved Jesus. I'm here because I've always loved Jesus. Like, that's my prayer for my kids. Yeah, my dad really cared about me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right, Psalm 34, 17. The righteous cry out. And the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Amen. Oh, I tell you, that's that's scripture I have leaned on mm-hmm. so many times. That's we're why g- I know we're gonna well. be oaks of righteousness there, Mikey. Mm-hmm. You know it? I know it. Uh, that's awesome. Golly, I don't want to quit. This is great. <laughs> I know. I this know. is great. I can't wait to hear Max's testimony, though, of just the, the intertwinings of how the Lord got him where he is today. And, uh, you know, he alluded to the ACL and stuff like that. I'm mm-hmm. sure that's all part of it. But uh, I can't wait to have you back, brother. Thanks, man. I'm glad so. I was here today. So Yeah, thanks for having us tonight. Thank you guys thank you for, for coming out. Absolutely. 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 I want to thank everybody for hanging out with us on Mixler. I know we went a little bit long, but uh, thank you guys. I know you dialed into a good one tonight, and uh, we appreciate it. And uh, keep those cards and letters coming. <laughs> keep those questions coming because we will do this again. This is going to be on the regular. I, uh, I have a feeling, and uh, I, I'd like to get uh, Pastor Doug in here. You know, once he uh, gets, I know he's traveling a lot with his mom and stuff yeah. like that, but uh, would love to, to have him in here. He's a good guy. Yes, he is. So. Yes, he is. All right. Well, that about wraps it up. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Mac, for being uh, on God Stories Radio tonight. Uh, if you have any questions, if you want to uh, get your questions in for the next panel, <laughs> drop us a line at GodStoriesRadio at gmail.com. And then you can also twit us. Twit us on twitter and uh please like us on facebook so i don't have that awkward moment (laughs) in the show silence crickets (laughs) but anyway we love you guys we just appreciate you praying for us and and all the support and uh you know bringing hope and comfort has been our only agenda since the get-go and we i think we're going to be six years coming up six years in may in may 
Yep. Six years, over 200 episodes. Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it? Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. All the father. Yes, it is. All the credit and the praise to him. And man, he could have chose anybody to do this. And uh, he chose us. And man, am I glad. Mm -hmm. I'd rather be no place else. No place else on a Thursday night. Amen to that. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for session 203. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. God bless. God bless. God bless. But here in your life, we can